If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Our guest today is Kerry Crease. Kerry's got a background in dressage, show jumping, eventing, is a coach and coach educator, and she's also got a background in racing. She's going to talk to us today about competition horses and ex-race horses and using them for competition. How are you, Kerry? I'm very well, thank you. Great. Kerry, have you got a quote for us that we can start off today? Years ago in school, in an English lesson, I can remember writing, life is what you make it. And even though it's not a quote from someone else, I believe that in life you make or take up opportunities. And I think it's, it helps you define your life. And it means that you take ownership of that. Mm-hmm. Did your English teacher, was she happy with that or he happy with that? I wrote it on the side. It was just, I was, we were just, I was just doodling. Okay. And that's what I wrote. Okay. I, I don't know where it came from, but I have tried to live that way, mm-hmm. in taking opportunities. And sometimes you get offered a number of opportunities and you're right, your road is, changed by the path that you take and I believe that that's because you make these decisions so it's your choices Mm -hmm. and then that sort of attitude because a great attitude life is what you make it do you then talk to your students about that and encourage them to make decisions along those lines I try to encourage them to make goals Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the year, I talked to my students about goal setting and setting short, medium and long-term goals. And so most of them have huge goals and we try and build a path to be able to achieve that goal. So in that way, then they're making their lives and they're making their decisions. Mm-hmm. Good. Now, Kerry, can you go back to your first memories with horses and... Tell me about that. you know how you started with horses? I was very young. We didn't have any horses in the family. And there was a man that used to ride down the road. And it was before I went to school. Mum said from about the age of two, I'd run down to the front gates. And he was riding a hunter. This was in Wales. Mm -hmm. He'd ride up to the gate and I'd give it a handful. And my mother used to say, she used to panic because I came up to this horse's knee and she was really frightened, not very confident with horses. And she was really frightened. And the gentleman used to know that I would be running out with a handful of grass. And he'd stop and let me pat the horse's knee and I'd just get up to about its shoulder and then off he'd ride. Isn't that good? And nice of him to take the moment. He was, and I I still ride out, and Mm. I ride and lead. And there is a child down the road from me, and her mother brings her out, and I stop, and I let her. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Is it paying it forward, isn't it? 
It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, a career with horses. Did you, you know, because a long way then, go from the little girl who used to pat the horse's knee to having a career with horses, what was your pathway? Was it the straightforward one? Did you do something else along the way? How did that work out? I have, since I left school, my mother had a contact who knew a lady that ran an equestrian centre in Oxfordshire. And through that contact, I actually started working with horses. I, At this stage, we'd moved from Wales to England. And I knew that I wasn't going to have any money to speak of. So I spent my holidays working and putting money aside because my first job was uh, I had board and keep and lessons and no money. Mm-hmm. And that how I started with horses in a, in a place called South Oxfordshire Equitation Centre. Okay. Now, if you're going to employ someone or someone's going to talk to you about having a career with horses, what sort of core skills do you think they had? What sort of core skills do you think you had when you were just there working for your board and keep and your lessons? You know, what, what sort of character traits do you think you had? A passion, mm-hmm. a real want to work in the industry because it's long hours and there are wonderful rewards, not always monetary rewards, but the rewards, I have to say that the rewards were, I still are, fantastic. I love what I do. I'm passionate. My son tells me that I don't work and I said, well, make sure you pick a job that you love. Mm. So passion is the major thing and sticking at it when things get tough because they do get tough in the horse industry. And tenacity is, I think, a really important trait. And again, if you've set a goal, then you know that you're working towards something. And gaining knowledge in the field is so important. Yeah, I think that goal setting, you know, you obviously do a lot of goal setting yourself because it's come back a couple of times in the interview so far. Do you do a lot of goal setting yourself? I try to work always towards goals and I try to, at the beginning of a ride, think about what I want to achieve out of that ride mm-hmm. when I'm training horses. And sometimes the horse is not up to, to the goal that you've set for that day. Sometimes yep. it's not the right day to be trying to achieve that goal. And being realistic about what you're wanting, I think, is very, very important. But yes, I do Mm-hmm. I do set goals. I don't think so much about it, but yes, I do. <laughs> okay. What do you think is the best thing about working in the horse industry? For me, mm. I get rewards from the horses mm-hmm. because they don't judge you. Mm. They let you be who you are. They try. They try and find the easiest passage, I think, and the moment of joy that they, they, they it's not joy it's huge joy all the time but there are moments where it's fantastic and when I teach I was teaching this morning and to just see when a student lights up from the inside because they achieve something that you've been working towards it, it's just a, it's just a wonderful reward mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. What about people? Who's helped you in your career? 
a major influence in my career has been Edgar Listvark, mm-hmm. and I missed him. Yep. When I came here, I had quite a bit of formal training through the British Horse Society and become an intermediate instructor and learnt from various people. But when I came to Australia, Edgar had a huge influence in taking my riding forward and developing feel for how horses should go. And he was always sympathetic. And sometimes he'd say, come on, I want you to do. And I'd be playing with getting the horse softer, getting it rounder. And he said, now I want you to do whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And so he guided me to push, mm-hmm. to push me forward to be able to achieve. Yep. Yeah. Which was which was wonderful. Now, did you have dressage lessons from Edgar? Because he was very good with show jumping and eventing as well. Was it just dressage that he helped you with? Dressage lessons, yep. yeah. Yep, yep. All right, what about horses who've helped you in your career? Um, I had a horse called Outflank. I didn't own any horses before I came to Australia. I always rode other people's horses or the horses that were at the school. So so I rode a lot of different horses. And I was fortunate in the fact that they took me to different countries or the work took me into different countries. Mm -hmm. So it allowed me to travel as well. But when I came to Australia and I settled down in Armadale, I had a horse, a thoroughbred horse off the track initially. And then I got a horse called Outflank, who was at that time in race training, but he wasn't doing terribly well. And I said I would take out a trainer's license and give it a go. Mm-hmm. My partner owned him and he'd won a few races but wasn't consistent. So when I got him, I worked him on the flat, did some dressage work as well as Sydney work, and then I used to gallop him on the track as well. So I did all the work with mm, him. Mm. I found that he couldn't gallop on his left lead, and he was a horse that used to come out of the starting gate and hit the front, then fall to the tail, and then he had to be ridden round the field, mm-hmm. and he because he was field shy, yep. so you couldn't ride him through the field. But when they when the jockeys pulled him out. He'd change onto his left lead and he would, he would uh, stop okay. galloping. Yes. So I did a lot of dressage work with him, strengthening him on his left side mm-hmm. and stretching him on his left side to get him more even and more balanced. And then he started to win. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he, was, he, he won. Mm-hmm. He became an open company horse, mm-hmm. which was amazing for someone who'd never trained a horse on the track before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very excited, and I have to say, it's um, exhilarating. <laughs> then we had a an accident where he hit the deck at full gallop with me on board, and he didn't want to stretch out after that. So we retired him from racing, and I went eventing with him. And okay. he didn't go very high in eventing, but he won a couple of events, but he had the dirtiest stop on mm. Like he would be feeling like he was going to jump, jump up to take off points, and then he would stop. So I, I had some looks at some wings and some dirt, and and we decided that maybe he would be a dressage horse. And I'd already had a lesson 
on him with Edgar while I had him racing because I'd booked in for lessons with Edgar and the horse that I was riding in the lessons had gone lame and mm-hmm. Edgar just loved him. Mm-hmm. So I took him and started with the dressage with him and uh, he took me to FEI. Oh, that's good. So good. quite an amazing horse. Mm. Yeah. So when you took him to FEI, do you think that was your proudest moment or have there been other moments that you consider? Winning my first ever flat race, well, not me as a jockey, but training him as a racehorse and, okay. and, and winning, which meant that people were, because I was a female in a male industry, and people were, I knew I'd heard people were saying, she can't do it, the horse is too fat. I had him looking well. I didn't have him looking skinny. And people were knocking my feeding regime and saying, you know, oh, she won't be able to do it. So that was very proud when he won his first race. Mm -hmm. And then taking him to FEI, yeah, it was a journey. Okay. So journey, every bit, yep, yep. So during that and and during your career with horses, what do you think has been your biggest challenge over your whole career with horses? Recovering from injuries, mm-hmm. getting older and my body doesn't want to do what it used to be able to do easily. That I find a huge challenge. And also, at Armadale, we were a little bit isolated. We do get instructors in, but isolation from, from being in England where, you know, you're riding and you're under instruction or there's always someone in the arena and you're getting guidance all the time to having to rely on your own knowledge and trust it 100% and not having someone, a, a mentor to say, can you just have a look at this today? You have to wait to when you have an instructor on the ground and then it's by that time you've established some other things and sometimes you can establish faults rather than what should be. Mm-hmm. And that I find tough. Okay, okay. Now, if someone else is in that position, what lessons have you learned from that challenge and what would you say to them? Try to find someone that you can go to regularly to help you. Mm-hmm. And tra- I, I now travel to Spain and have lessons to make sure that I sit on quality horses that can do things so that I can keep my riding going forward. But mm-hmm. you, said, you said about special moments. So mm. I had a, a wonderful moment while I was in Spain recently where the instructor said, right, we're going to ride a cancer pirouette. And I rode a canter pirouette. He gave me an instruction to make it better. And the feel was magic. Mm. The horse just lifted, was light, and just floated around. Mm. And I'm like, that's what it's meant to feel like. So being able to have access to someone that can help you grow and develop or access to horses that help you develop the feel. I think it's so important. Okay. And sometimes it's hard when you're in isolated areas. Mm -hmm. Uh, Technology is helping. Yes, yes. I think technology helps us all a lot more now than probably when you were first starting off in Armadale. Yes. Edgar used to come up four to six times a year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, thinking about, you know, your background with racing and also your background as a competitor with performance horses, 
If you've got an ex-racehorse, say you've just got it off the track, what sort of tips or instructions could you give to someone who's just got a racehorse off the track and they want to turn it into a performance horse? What would you be your first first steps to take for them? They must have patience mm-hmm. because you have to remember that the horse has been trained to hold of the bit and go forward. And so for me, it's teaching the horse to bend and flex and establishing the half halt. I find that is really, really important. Some horses, their confirmation is not as good as the horses are bred for either eventing or for dressage or for show jumping. You have to look at the horse's confirmation and understand that physiology and what the horse has had done with it prior to starting to train it and think about how you can help it. And bending and flexing, generally the horses that come off the track are taken out of the stables, are trotted around the track once and then cantered and maybe galloped. Maybe they get let out. Sometimes they get put on a horse walker, but they lack the suppleness and they often are only ridden in one direction depending in which state you ride in. Mm -hmm. So therefore it's important to try and, and help them to become more supple, but it's patience as well in the fact that you care about how they learn and you reward them for what they do well and remember where they've come from. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory and the practical components can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Okay, thanks. I think you having that bit of an understanding, you know, about remembering the training and understanding confirmation, but having the understanding of what they'd already been trained and how they'd been trained would certainly be invaluable then to you or for you coaching someone with an ex-race horse. Yeah, it's also about what experience has the rider had. And for some riders, the race horse is not, the ideal mount for them Mm. in the fact that if they have a tendency to want to hang on to the reins, then the racehorse is going to hang back because that's what it's been taught to do. It's been taught to run and take the bridle. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's knowing your capabilities and also, and being realistic about those capabilities and trying to build your toolbox really so that you can take on more challenges. Yep, yep. All right. Now, have you got a book, Kerry, that we could recommend to listeners to complement their training? I love books. I was going to say, I know you, I know that you love books, yep, <laughs> but you'd probably have a few. <laughs> <laughs> so my favourite, or one that I go back to frequently, is The Complete Training of Horse and Rider mm-hmm. by Alois Podaisky who was the director of the Spanish Riding School of Vienna. And he also has another book, The Riding Teacher. So anyone who wants to go into coaching, I think it's a wonderful book that helps you train a rider. 
and I use those frequently or if I have any anything that I specifically want to look up because it's classical mm-hmm. and you know he talks about the balance of the rider and the balance of the horse along with another person called Sally Swift with Centered Riding. Okay. I'm, I, I'm sorry I've given you three books but oh, I, that's okay. I, I think they're just wonderful books and for me when I'm teaching it's about a rider's position and about improving their position so that they can allow the horse to be the best athlete that it can be in the performance arts that the person wants to work in so whether it be reining or dressage or racing it's about having that ability to put your body in the correct position and be balanced and be balanced with the horse. Yes, we can have a lot of influence over the horse by um, our position, if it's a correct position or an incorrect position. Yes, very much so. Um, in dressage, we ask the horse to hold this form and we keep working on the horse's outline and trying to make the horse more supple and lighter in front and carrying more behind. But frequently we don't work enough on what about our form? What about where our body is when we're riding? Are we looking up? Are we holding? Are we using our core strength? Have we got our weight in our heels? Are we correctly weighting our feet? And for me, our riding position is a passion. You know, you have to keep working at it to be able to get the best out of the horse. Yep, yep. All right, now, Kerry, what are you looking forward to? What's your future hold? I hope to be able to. I've had a couple of accidents. I've created a few problems through my back. So my aim is to maintain my flexibility so that I can continue to ride for as long as possible. I have a mare at the moment who is medium advanced, so I'd love, she's unfortunately getting on a little bit, so I would love to uh, be able to keep taking her up the scale, providing she stays fit and healthy. And I have a two, three-year-old, young horses that are quite exciting, um, but I hope to be able to start in competition and to be able to continue to teach and help people to achieve their goals because I I love teaching. I'm fairly passionate. Mm. I think with those three horses in work and continuing to teach, you've certainly got, uh, you know, a full book ahead of you anyway. (laughs) Along with a few other things that are Mm. on in my life, (laughs) yeah. All right. Now, if you can, just in a few sentences, summarise your philosophy with horses. For me, it's about caring for the horse, not just when you're riding it, but having a holistic approach to the care of the horse, the groundwork, the stable management, and, and that, your ability to work with the horse on the ground, then transfers the, your ability to work with the horse and for me it's about being consistent and effective and Podaisky talks about communication being clear and simple so that our communication at all times whether it be ridden 
or on the ground, the horse can understand and enjoy your horses. Treat them as you would like to be treated. Mm-hmm. Kerry, how can people contact you? Either at kerrycrees at bigpond.com, but the best way is on my mobile, 0431 okay that will also be available on horsechats.com slash kerry crease or simply search for kerry on horse chats to find that page and that's where your interview will come up as well um yeah yes you don't have to worry about downloading itunes if you don't have itunes you can go straight to the horse chats page lovely thank you yeah it's been very refreshing talking to you just about you know racehorses getting racehorses off the track and how they can you know just having that understanding of the way that racehorses are trained to then go on and say right teach them to bend and flex and establish the half halt that's quite important for any horse but particularly for a horse that's been ridden sort of between two rails because you don't even have to do a 20 meter circle you know by the time you get a a, like a kilometer circle it's barely a circle it's the horses are very straight they can be very wooden to begin with to ride and it's not their fault Mm. It's how they've been trained. Yes. And they've been trained to push, not to carry. Mm. And Mm. in our performance of dressage, jumping and eventing, we want them to carry. And so we have to teach them to use muscles that have been doing a different workload. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's hard for them. Yep. Edgar said to me once, you know, a year a level, and mm-hmm. I, I, I've worked with that, is this don't rush horses. Keep, keep it nice and plan. And yes, if the horse is showing talent, yes, allow it. But remember, it has to actually develop the muscle. Mm. It's not just a question about the horse being able to do the things you want to. It has to develop. Mm-hmm. Yes, have the strength to be able to, to carry. Yeah. Yeah. Kerry, thank you for talking to us today. And hopefully we'll catch up again with you sometime soon. Thank you so much, Lenny. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 